0: This is, no, this is the media majors the podcast. Stop singing Stop singing with the beat. This is Media Majors. I'm Your Liam Senior. This is Tom Lockney. Tom, Jesus Christ. This is the this is the theme. This, this theme. theme. this is gonna be the theme of the podcast, and you are singing go over go. it. Never will. This is Media Majors. Well, well, well. Look who came crawling back to the oh, next he, episode. He, you said you'd never come back, but we knew. We, we knew. knew. They always come back. Cocaine dick, they always come back. Hi, welcome to the Meteor Major Meteor Murder. Welcome to the Meteor Podcast. Welcome to the Mushmouth Podcast. Welcome to Mushmouth Podcast. Each week, I pretend to be a different <laughs> Fat Albert character, but it turns into Mushmouth. Uh, no, this is the Media Majors Podcast. I'm Liam Senior. And I'm Tom Lockney. It's just us this week. Tom, what do we do on this podcast?
1: We tell each other interesting stories, trying to blow each other's minds, expand each other's third eye
0: from our preferred mediums. Maybe we turn our third eyes unblind. I like internet culture and video games. And I like movies and TV. We also like what the other one's into, but we just don't have as much knowledge in the field, uh, which is why it's really fun to hear these stories. Actually, quick follow-up from last week. I
1: emailed. So I took a I took a course uh, in college uh, called "Drugs and Human Behavior" a psych course, and I emailed the professor about Liam's uh, putting cocaine on your penis to enhance sexual pleasure story from last week, asking her if it was legit.
0: Yeah, and to refresh people's memories, what I had found, and remember, like again, this is what I found off forums. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> or scientist, or any shit. What I found, Liam, senior PhD. That yeah, Liam Senior, pretty huge dick. Is that. Wait, I should say, what I found on in my internet research, <laughs> I'm not putting cocaine on my penis
1: ever, because why? Wait, what were you putting on your penis the last time that we hung out? Because if it wasn't cocaine, I'm not it very happy meth. with you.
0: It was, did you not see how I broke up the shards of glass so that I could, like, make cuts on my dick and, like, jerk off with the meth to get the meth in? Well, Well, you know, I I, I've I been eating DiGiorno for the last three nights, so I thought I... that was
1: why I was shitting blood, but I guess not,
0: Liam. No, it was my meth cum. Oh, uh, no, so what I had found is that it doesn't, is that it doesn't really do anything bad to women, but what did your professor say? Hi, Tom. <laughs> Hi, Tom. Please stop emailing me about
1: cocaine vagina. <laughs> Given what I know about cocaine pharmacodynamically and kinetically, pharmacodynamics and kinetics, it's it's basically just the way that drugs move the, through the your properties. brain your system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's cool, fancy cool. official terms. It just doesn't make sense that it went it, that it would enhance sexual pleasure. Cocaine is a vasoconstrictor, closes blood vessels and veins and decreases oxygen to the heart and presumably other organs. It also has strong anti anesthetic effects when applied topically which is why in drug movies detectives rub white powder found at crime scenes on their gums if it numbs it's likely cocaine if not it's something else
0: (laughs) ah shit phil i did heroin ah
1: god there is a fair amount of research showing that cocaine may make people feel hypersexual while under the influence it's a stimulant and can increase arousal but most literature shows that it decreases ability for orgasm and pleasure. In a long-term sense, cocaine is clearly bad for libido because dopamine is depleted in the brain and heavy users find it difficult to experience pleasure for dopamine-increasing activities like sex that can't increase levels to cocaine levels, which is to say, hugely increase them. So my conclusion is that there is no reason cocaine should enhance sex when applied topically, and several reasons it would be expected to reduce pleasure. The only way I could imagine it helping would be from an endurance standpoint.
0: (laughs) I mean, eventually it just had to be to maintain the erection because they were so hooked on it. I hope, hope that helps. No, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Uh, That's so great. Yeah, she's... Oh, man, she's a great professor, wonderful person. So glad to hear back from her, and I, it makes sense, <laughs> given yeah, what no, I went Yeah, no, it makes sense, but which
0: is also which also perfect, because I I felt like I couldn't find a good ending to that story, other than, like, it, it's up for debate, like, whether or not this does anything, and I'm glad that we finally can be like, no, it probably doesn't do anything good.
1: Media majors, don't put cocaine on the tip of your penis and then have sex with
0: anybody. Don't do it. I believe... I believe you're going first this week, Liam. I am going first. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned cocaine because <laughs> I did that last week. And we're going to talk about, let's just say, some famous cokeheads might pop up in this story. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say a name Charles Michael Levin. Does that name mean anything to you? It shouldn't. No, it doesn't. I'm going to say his, what his stage name, I guess, like his pseudonym is now or what he goes by now Chuck Lore. Do you know who that is? I don't
1: know who that is either. Th- that's what this podcast is about learning and growing. You're going to teach?
0: Chuck Lore, born October 18th, 1952, was an American television writer, producer, and composer. At 18, he pretty much just packed his car with everything he owned, trying to be a musician in Los Angeles. It didn't work, but he ended up as a staff writer for the show Roseanne. Oh, I know about Roseanne. Chuck Lore, however, went on to create Franny's Turn. Didn't really go anywhere. Then he created Grace Under Fire, which was huge. After that, he created Sybil, which was pretty huge. Both those shows ended in 98. Then he created Dharma and Greg. Okay. And after Dharma and Greg, he created a little show called Two and a Half Men. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. We're talking oh, Two and a Half you. Men today. Oh, I'm so
1: excited. I'm so excited. I've My only experience with Two and a Half Men is I know who Charlie Sheen is. I know why he's a nutbag. And oh great! Because we're not talking about Charlie I've Sheen that much. I've seen the last episode because I That's used to mo- oh, listen great. to Losing the
0: Sheen with Justin and Sydney McElroy. Uh shout out! Shout out to the McElroys, who we love so much. Yes. Um. And just so you know, <laughs> Chuck Lore would go on to create, after Two and a Half Men, he would create Mike and Molly. Well, oh, he was just a writer. Know, for yeah, him, yeah, Mike and Molly. Did Mike I've and seen Molly. That show. He co-created The Big Bang Theory with Bill Prady. Yeah. Uh, that. Yeah. That. Well. That tracks. Yeah. Right now, he's doing Mom, which has kind of gotten him a little more clout, because Mom's supposedly very good. And he's doing a comedy called Disjointed. It's a pot comedy with Kathy Bates that's coming out on Netflix soon. Whoa. So the thing about Chuck Lore is that he's criticized for his, like, very use of stupid, lowbrow humor, horrible depiction of women, even though a lot of his shows were women-centric. Hmm. But Two and a Half Men in particular, terrible female characters. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's gotten better at it. I think it was because of the people he co-created the shows with. Yeah. So I watched Two and a Half Men for a really long time because I was like, "Well, <laughs> this is what adults watch on TV, and I'm mature now. I watch all the sitcoms." And for the life of me, I cannot tell you a joke from that show that made me laugh.
1: I've I've seen a few episodes of that show. I that theme song is like ingrained into my brain forever. Men, 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 yeah, men, man, manly men, like. <laughs>
0: So two and a half men is basically you could you could have just called it the Charlie Sheen show. Yeah. Like yeah. it's about Charlie Sheen plays Charlie Harper, who is like a hedonistic jingle writer. He's a womanizer, a drunk. He's terrible. He has <laughs> a, a weaselly, snivelly little brother-in-law who's bumming off of him. The brother-in-law is a dumb kid. They have a, a mom who's really mean and slutty, and they have a, a bitchy housekeeper and a crazy stalker woman. And like it's it's very y what, what I what what typical, talk about. This, typical, though, is just like how Lauren
1: Michael or <laughs> Lauren Michael, sorry. Lauren Michaels. Chuck Lore. There you go. Uh like one dimensional sexually promiscuous.
0: Very true. Moral uh, I'd say a lot of that probably falls characters. on Lee Aronson, just because hmm, okay. Chuck Lore has gone on to write mom, which like portrays two very Normal women. Okay. Hey, I'm not trying to defend Chuck Lorre because his shows are terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just fascinated by him because so it's it's the Charlie Sheen show, and for basically like seven years, it was TV's number one comedy. Charlie Sheen and John Cryer would get nominated, and I think John Cryer won. I don't know if Charlie Sheen ever did. I'm too lazy to look it up because I'm, I'm I'm trying not to. Fo- Everyone knows Charlie Sheen is crazy. Everyone yeah. knows the Tiger Blood story and all that stuff. Now he's HIV positive, yeah. and he's like of uh, as a much more normal life. I'm not going to focus on him for this. I want to talk about the show. Okay. So garbage on garbage. Yeah. Characters had almost little to none consistency. Uh, it, it, they were so mean and hateful and spiteful and ugly to each other. You know, how TV theory works is like, there's a conflict, it gets heightened, it gets resolved. That's like your three X. It's pretty simple. And in Two and a Half Men, it would basically be like, Charlie Sheen wants to fuck, but he can't fuck, but then he fucks conflict conflict but highest rated comedy until big bang theory came along that baffles me to this to this day cbs man it's there's something about it they just knew how like the only reason Burn how away. i met your mother which is a show that i genuinely love even though it's very flawed towards the end uh how i met your mother only survived because it would come on after Two and a Half Men. Josh, what's
1: his fuck went to my college. Radner, Ken went Josh to. Josh Radner, funny story about Josh Radner. So he went to my college and he made that shitty movie Liberal, Liberal Arts, Arts, which was based off of his experience at Kenyon College. And he came back and he did this whole like early premiere thing my freshman year. And he was like, "Look at my movie!" And we all went down to the athletic facility and we watched it. And everybody left being like, "That was shit." Wall That's to terrible, wall. Terrible, terrible movie. And then he went and crashed a Kenyan party. And there is, an inc- there is a phenomenal, a phenomenal picture of Josh Radner sitting on a couch alone in somebody's apartment as all these drunk 20-year-olds are around him. And he looks fucking miserable as he's sipping a pap's Blue Ribbon. And Josh Radner, John get on this Freud podcast. It's
0: palpable. It's so good. I want to talk to you about your two lines in Not Another Teen Movie. Yeah, liberal arts is terrible. My freshman yeah. year, Jerry O'Connell spoke to our class, and everyone gave him a standing ovation when they mentioned he was in Kangaroo Jack. Because <laughs> we're ironic. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, they listed all of his good movies, and then went, and Kangaroo Jack, and there was like a... 30 second applause break. That's fucking awesome. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of crazy shit went down behind the scenes. I'm sh- uh, uh, A TV
1: show that's garbage that people know it's garbage and one of the guys is a psycho cokehead?
0: I'm shocked. We're gonna- we'll start with Sheen leaving the show. Following a February 2010 announcement that Sheen was entering rehab, filming of the show was put on hiatus, but it resumed the following month. On April 1st, 2010, People reported that after seven seasons, Sheen announced he was considering leaving the show. According to one source, Sheen quit the show after filming the final episode of season 7 and reportedly due to his rejection of CBS's offer of guess how much money CBS offered Charlie Sheen to stay? Fifth, uh no, not 50 million, 20 million, 1 million oh. per
1: episode. Whoa! There's there are very few things you can do for that kind of
0: million money. per episode.
1: That's fucking nuts.
0: Now, okay, so We're in the world of what's called peak TV, where TV's really good right now. And there's a lot of TV more on cable than on network. So what's the difference, I bet some of you are asking. So cable, you're going to have smaller budgets. You're going to have smaller crews. You're going to have smaller everything. And you're going to have smaller seasons, 10 to 13 episodes. Netflix does this too. Sometimes they'll even do eight. Stranger Things. Network, on the other hand, make anywhere between 18 to 25 episodes a season um especially at network multicam when you are literally working 2 days a week. You film an episode in a day. How many hours are you spending a day? So little. Fuck. I you. mean it's literally
1: filming the episode. They'll just go through the episode. You have to tell if you if you can't tell me his reasoning, I'm burning I'm burning why my he, house. Why why you wanted to leave the show? Yeah, if you can't tell me his Because he fucking reason,
0: hated I'm... Chuck Lore. Oh, okay. <laughs> fucking hated Chuck Lorre. Why did he hate Chuck Lorre? Because Chuck Lorre is like a terrible monster to work with, apparently. Oh. A megalomaniac psychopath who hides it all in this veneer of like, I'm just a writer, man. Sheen eventually stated he would be back for two more seasons. But on May 18th, 2010, uh, Sheen's can con- and confirmed he signed a tra- contract for two years for, are you ready for this, 1.78 million per episode. So he just held him out for more money and did another season. What the f- yeah, dude. I hate celebrities. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, you know what? I actually don't hate Charlie Sheen for this because, like... Was they... Lorne... I keep Chuck wanting... Lauren <laughs> Michaels.
1: Was Chuck Lorre, Like, is Chuck Lorre just, like, an absolute
0: megalomaniac monster? Like, do we know this? Here's the thing. I don't actually think so. I think he's just a normal guy. Like, he's probably just kind of fratty. Oh, That's okay. what I get. But okay. if you look at all his shows... They're all really different, and the ones he created by himself are much more. Um, Good? <laughs> kinder? No, they're not necessarily better, oh. but they're kinder. The ones he read to other hateful. people, Two and a Half Men, Big Bang Theory, there's a darkness to them. Big Bang Theory is one of the darkest shows in that it basically parades a man with autism around like a circus animal. There's, there's that one ad for the Big
1: Bang Theory that gives me the fucking creeps where it's all the dudes, like, huddled around that woman, like, like, borderline groping her and she looks fucking
0: petrified yeah and that is the tone of that show so after a month after he signed on again sheen had a verbal denunciation against chuck lord during a radio interview with right-wing pundit alex jones oh on tmz oh my god yes after that cbs announced that two and a half men would cease production for the rest of this eighth season a month into filming this wow. would affect an estimated 200 employees and caused Warner Brothers, CBS, Lore, Sheen, and the rest of the profit participants to lose $10 million just from that. Holy shit. From not being able to finish the remaining eight episodes. That's fucking... Money. So afterwards, Sheen was interviewed on ABC, NBC, and CNN, and he continued to just criticize lore and CBS. What was really happening was, unfortunately, Charlie Sheen was, like, succumbing to a terrible drug addiction. Yeah, yeah. This would spark, this would spark his, like, weird tour and the tiger blood. I mean, I remember the, this. Everybody yeah. was like, ha, 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 hashtag winning. And, every, and I was like, yo, this man is, like, like, clearly in need of help. John Cryer didn't say anything because, like, how could you? You know, your your co uh, They're apparently he like really liked Charlie Sheen They had known each other because they were both kid actors In the 80s and worked in John Hughes movies I assume that Chuck Moore Is probably not the the best The
1: litany of information about How hard it is to be a child star I'm sure they had
0: a ton of They were teen stars and they were John Hughes Teen stars so I think they were really lucky Where they kind of were able to Like, you know, we're actors This is a craft, like just because we're teens Whereas people like Corey Feldman and Corey Haim We'll do we'll do a Corey story. Oh my Holy god! Shit, we're gonna do story. Oh a Corey my god! Story. Thank you. It's gonna be really depressing, but we'll do a Corey story. Yeah, that the
1: Corey was in the
0: news recently. Yeah, and that was a yeah. Bummer. That's the thing about the Corey story is that Corey Feldman keeps writing my endings. <laughs> so Sheen called John Cryer publicly a turncoat, a traitor, and a troll. Jeez. And then he later issued a half apology. Sheen sued Lauren Warner Bros for a hundred million, saying they had filed the lawsuit on behalf of himself and the two and a half men cast and crew. However, only Sheen was named as a plaintiff in court documents. Mm. So in April, Sheen was like, maybe we can work something out. He publicly said this. In that same month, Chuck Lorre figured out a way to redo the show. And on May 13th, Ashton Kutcher has was casted as joint to replace Charlie Sheen.
1: I'm going to ask you a question about the television show since you watched it. I watched the episode
0: where Ashton Kutcher joins. Yes. Do they play the same no, Character? they do not. He plays a completely different character. So do they say that he died or yes. something? Oh, wow. Yes, they do. Whoa. Tom, <laughs> what Tom, the fuck? Tom, we're going to get to it. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Because we have to talk about... Kevin? Uh, yeah, he's going to shoot up his school and, and murder his sister. Spoilers. With a, with a crossbow. So what happens is Kutcher, they they need someone to like buy the house... John Stamos comes in, basically playing Uncle Jesse. Dharma okay. and Greg come in. I roll my eyes because it sucks. Ashton Kutcher takes over. The, uh, people had noted that the series had now felt less evil with Charlie Sheen off the show. Oh God, that's a pretty that's a pretty scathing character indictment, isn't it? So the whole story is Al, uh, John Cryer, whose name is Alan in the show, is mooching off of his brother and living in his house. Well, now the brother's gone. Yeah. So this, uh, Ashton Kutcher plays a tech billionaire who gets divorced, buys the house, tries to kill himself, Alan saves him, and he feels so miserable, he decides to let Alan and his son live there anyway.
1: Jesus Christ, there is like nothing entertaining about this show. (laughs) It's so weird. That sounds so fucking miserable.
0: Oh, dude. So, I don't know if you know this, Angus T. Jones, who played Jake. He also left the show. Okay, I do know about this. In November 2012 interview with a Christian website, Angus T. Jones said he had recently converted to Christianity and joined a Seventh-day Adventist church. He attacked the show as filth that contradicts his moral values Mm. and said that he was sick of being a part of it. He also begged fans to stop watching the show. Producers explained that Joan was not expected back on the set until 2013, as his character was not scheduled to appear in the final two episodes before Winter Hiatus. Mm. In the show, he like marries Miley Cyrus, who's playing a character, and then joins the army. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, didn't, didn't fucking Urkel? Urkel went to space, right? We're going to talk about Urkel in a future episode. Okay, good. In response to the controversy, Charlie Sheen issued a public statement claiming that Jones' outburst isn't an isolated incident, but rather a symptom of the toxic environment surrounding the show, and blamed Chuck Lohr for the entire ordeal. Fuck Chuck, huh? Yeah, fuck Chuck. The following day, Jones issued a public apology for his remarks and explained that he cannot address everything that has been said or write every misstatement or uh, misunderstanding. Jones left the series at the end of 2012-2013 and did not appear in season 11, despite reports that he would. So after him, they replaced him with Amber Tamblyn, who played Jenny, a long-lost illegitimate daughter of Charlie Harper, who was uh, a-, a lesbian. And then later, I never watched this, uh, later by Eden Alexander, who plays Lewis uh, Ashton Kutcher's adopted son what I don't I don't know on March 18 2014 Angus T Jones officially announced his departure from the show stating he had been a paid hypocrite nevertheless he appeared in a cameo in the series finale of course he's dead no
1: of course he's dead let's talk about of course what
0: might be the craziest sitcom finale in the history of sitcom finale. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Who, uh, who's in this show? Who's Who guest stars? Angus T. Jones as The Sun returns. Melanie Linsky as The Stalker re- returns. Two different former um, Charlie Sheen conquests return. Probably more, I just don't remember. No, sorry, three. Oh my God. Sorry, four. Oh my God! Uh, Judy Greer, who played Ashton Kutcher's ex-wife returns. John Stamos and Christian Slater play themselves. Oh, for
1: Christ's sake.
0: And then finally, you ready for this?
1: Charlie Sheen? Arnold
0: Schwarzenegger. What? Played the sheriff. Who doesn't appear in this?
1: Charlie Charlie Sheen.
0: Sheen. So I'm just going to read the entire plot from Wikipedia. It's amazing. So, Alan, John Cryer, receives a letter that Charlie has 2.5 million unclaimed in royalties. He's a jingle writer. He needs Charlie's death certificate to claim the money but cannot find one and realizes the only proof is Ro- uh, Rose the stalker's word. Then they realize, uh-oh, Charlie might be alive. It was the, And then the money was claimed by an unknown party. And then all of a sudden, Alan and his mom are receiving threatening messages. Several women from uh, Charlie's past are shown receiving checks and personal and personalized apology letters. Meanwhile, Rose is shown holding a captive in her basement. After the unknown captive escapes... Rose returns to the beach house to inform Alan and Walden that Charlie is alive and to explain the entire story. Ready for this? No. Clearly. I... While in Paris, Rose caught Charlie in bed with a hooker, a mime, and a goat. When Charlie caught up with her at the train station, she tried to avenge his infidelity Uh, by pushing him to the path of an oncoming train, but the goat ended up taking the fall instead. Motherfucker brought the goat with him! I... Jesus fucking Christ. I'm
1: just sitting here blown face right now, my dude. I'm... Rose
0: returns to the United States taking with her a bound and gag Charlie and she's keeping him captive in her basement. So that mm-hmm. means for the time that Charlie Sheen is not in two and a half men, he's captive in their neighbor's Torture, basement. Right? Like what's she doing? Which with is you? also weird, cause guess what happens in the middle of two and a half men? Kathy Bates appears on the show as Charlie Sheen's ghost that's taken over Kathy Bates' body. Wh- what? You're no, you're lying to me. Yeah. I am Shut not the lying fuck to you. up and stop lying to me, Liam. I'm not lying to you. So, after they heard that Charlie Sheen has been captive in Rose's basement, Walden receives Action Kutcher receives a threatening message, and they go to the police, where they talk to Arnold Schwarzenegger. They return to the house and find life-size cardboard cutouts of themselves wearing nooses. How is this?
1: This is so... That's so dark. It wouldn't be hard. That sounds like the worst shit you could ever dream up. This is...
0: So, sorry, season 9, not season 11, is when Kathy Bates played Charlie's ghost. Uh, she won an Emmy for it.
1: What? I'm fucking reeling right now, dog. I'm... I got nothing.
0: She proves she's Charlie by answering questions. Charlie goes on to explain that he is in hell and as part of his punishment, he must live eternity as a large old lady. I'll be an old lady with a pair of testicles because it's a fucking Chuck oh show. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you ready no. for this? so <laughs> uh charlie explains he came back to give advice to turn his life around and become self-dependent for once alan agrees checks himself out of the hospital he goes he moves to his own apartment and then he's visited by charlie's ghost who reveals his intent was not to help alan just to mess with him and get him out of his beach house so alan fakes his heart attacks so we he can move back in he does move back in he passes the hospital with cream bill of health and then charlie tries to mess with jake jake's too stupid but charlie goes back to hell with two sexy women so uh, apparently none of that was fucking true though, because in the finale he's alive.
1: I'm just in. A, I'm just.
0: Are you ready to, for this to be fucking crazy?
1: How is this not ready? been crazy so far? You are tell you me. Fucking ready. Tell me how this has not been crazy.
0: After Jake leaves, Alan and Walden are contacted by Schwarzenegger, who inform them he has captured Charlie. The camera reveals the man is actually Christian Slater. Now they believe Charlie's in jail, they celebrate by relaxing in lounge chairs while smoking cigars and drinking Charlie's whiskey when they see a helicopter carrying a grand piano, similar to the one Charlie used to play approaching the house. The three wonder if Schwarzenegger caught the right man, but they brush it off. Then, Charlie, shown only from the back, Approaches the beach house and rings the bell But before anyone can answer the door He is killed when the helicopter Drops the piano off him the, On him The camera then pulls back to reveal Chuck Lore sitting in the director's chair He turns to the camera and says Winning Before a piano falls on him too End of series Shut shut up Sh- I'm, I, I'm, I'm out I'm done I'm
1: walking
0: away Yeah motherfuckers Dude, this came out in fucking 2015 and they made a winning joke. You
1: thought it was
0: fucking lying. a winning joke. They made a fucking winning joke. That was like 5 years before. I haven't told you what uh, what else what? happens in this hey, episode. Hey,
1: shut the Hey, shut 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 the fuck up. What the fuck could you possibly have not Hey, what what do what? you know what mugging what? is? What could you, you know possibly not have told to me? you know what the camera means? No, but you're going to teach me. you ever watch me. The
0: Office? You know when Jim would look at the camera and go, oh boy, that's mugging. Um, guess how many times the cast mugs at the camera making meta jokes about how the series can't hold water, how it doesn't make any sense, how the writing is bad? Eight times. But like, whenever they'd be like, man... Your stories don't make sense. Or, like, let me guess. Let me see, get this straight. You live with him, but in your old brother's house, who's dead? Well, that's weird. And then they'd all look at the camera.
1: Eight 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 times. Times. You be fucking careful, or I'm going to throw my microphone on the goddamn ground again, uh, Liam C. So I'm going to
0: end it with a couple of fun facts. Uh, so Chuck Lorre used to do these. Th- Are they fun? One, Are of they them fun? Is. One of them is. Oh, they'd better be fun. <laughs> so do you know what? So Chuck Lorre used to do these things called vanity cards, which at the end of the episode, his little production company would just be like a little thing that he would write. And he stopped doing he it. He does them still on the Big Bang Theory. I know this because my mom
1: writes them down as inspirational quotes. That's sad.
0: It very, yes. Chuck Lorre's signature vanity card showed at the end of this episode, the season finale, was as follows. I know a lot of you might be disappointed you didn't get to see Charlie Sheen in tonight's finale. For the record, he was offered a role. Our idea was to have him walk up to the front door in the last scene, ring the doorbell, then turn, look directly into the camera, and go on a maniacal rant about the dangers of drug abuse. He would then explain that these dangers only applied to average people, that he was far from average, that he was a ninja warrior from Mars. He was invincible. And then we would drop a piano on him. We thought it was funny. He didn't. He wanted us to write a heartfelt warming scene that would set up his return to primetime TV in a new sitcom called The Harper, starring him and John Cryer. We thought that was funny, too. That's fucking savage. Former star Charlie Sheen did not enjoy the episode and launched yet another attack on lore, going so far as to threaten him saying, that's just him. I don't care anymore. I don't care if he lives or dies. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Seriously, doesn't even matter. Go to that, go, to go that low and be that immature and that completely unevolved and that stupid, in my face, really? You must feel safe, motherfucker. You must feel safe where you live. Damn.
1: Holy shit.
0: I'm gonna be honest. I'm kind of on Charlie Sheen's side. Yeah. I mean,
1: that's... (sighs) To do the whole, like, drop a fucking piano and then taunt him, taunt not just him, but that whole psychotic breakdown he had. This person was clearly having, like, a mental breakdown because of the pressures of fame and drug addiction and abuse and and was, like, not in a place and 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 the media's response to that was hey look how fucking funny this is look how fucking funny it is that this guy is like doped up all the fucking time and can't think straight and says nonsensical shit like the tiger blood thing isn't that fucking funny chuck Lore is making a fucking joke of it too it's fucking a
0: disaster and it's fucking <laughs> tough to sit through and i sat through and it is cool. It's cruel. It's cruel and mean from the sound of it. Yeah, that's my story. Two and a half men.
1: And and now it's time to learn about one of our sponsors. Sponsor time. Sponsor time. We are taking whatever we can get wherever we can. And this week, our sponsor is, is your undies. Your
0: undies. Do you own underwear? Liam, do you own underwear? Oh, I do, but they are ratty. I mean, it's if it was white once, it's brown now, and if it was brown once, it's still brown.
1: Well, good, cuz they're not going to be yours for long, motherfucker. What? Are you we stealing come... all my underwear? This is this is all from their their press release. I'm just Oh, I know. I'm reading what I'm mouth. reading my part. We'll come to your home in the dead of night, like a thief, and we'll take your undies, and you'll never even know. And then you won't have, and you'll have nothing, nothing but jeans. We'll take <laughs> all your sweatpants, all your all your soft pajama pants, all
0: you'll have is denim. That's all the support you'll get, just denim. Listen, we all have underwear that we are like, what am I still doing with you? This is a service that will come into the middle of your house in the middle of the night without your knowledge, and steal all of your clothing, replacing it with denim variations of what they once were. They'll just take it off your hands. Denim you... is the most comfortable fabric in Canada.
1: Hey, listen, we've all, we've all done it. One night, we've had a bit too much to drink. Maybe just...
0: Listen, I had a couple cocktails and you know what I did? I murdered my wife only in my underwear. Well, yeah. this pair's ruined and filled with evidence. What am I gonna do? Call your undies. They'll come.
1: They'll come in the dead of night. Take it. They're better than any crime scene cleanup crew you'll ever purchase.
0: The only question they're gonna ask is, can they smell the underwear when they take it?
1: We don't know what what they do with it afterwards. I assume we're they not smell we're it. not here we're not here to judge. That's what's what, that's God's job. Listen, that's God's this job. is a
0: small company built out of some Japanese tourists who found a vending machine of used panties and decided, you know what? There's something magical here.
1: Listen. This is a small company of five men. They're all sex offenders. Everyone. Every one of them. They are on the all registry. straight white men, licensed heterosexuals, <laughs> and they're
0: here to come pick up your undies. Remember to use the coupon code Media Majors, and they'll inject you with a free um, morphine thing. That way, you don't get disturbed in the middle of the night. Remember That's only use... with the with the code, though. <laughs> it was only with that code, Tom. Tell me the story. I would love to, Liam.
1: (laughs) Liam, I'm gonna tell you about a man named Gunpei Yokoi. Okay. (laughs) If if you say so. September 10th, 1941, Kyoto, Japan. Gunpei Yokoi is born. He graduates from uh, Doshisha University with a degree in electronics, by the way. Get ready for me to fuck up a lot of these. He initially joined a little little startup called Nintendo. Never heard of him. In 1965. So there are conflicting reports on his initial job. Some say electrician, others say assembly line worker, janitor, but regardless, he held some responsibility concerning the assembly of Hanafuda cards. Because Nintendo, fun fact, initially began uh, as a card game company in 1889. Holy shit. Yeah, bet you didn't know that. And then in 1966, again, uh th- there's sort of conflicting conflicting reports, but the folk legend is that Nintendo founder and president, Fusahiro Yamauchi, was at one of his Hanafuda factories, the very same factory. In where fact,
0: Mario lost his virginity.
1: Where to Gunpei- Bowser? What Listen, we've all thought about it, (laughs) where Gunpei Yokoi was working. And while he was there, he noticed this sort of extending arm toy. Yeah, he had made this arm as sort of like a hobby project and just happened to have it at work that day. And Yamauchi was like, yo, that's the shit and Yamauchi had Yokoi develop the concept into a full retail product for the Christmas season. It ended up being one of Nintendo's first gangbusters toy products. Sold 1.2 million units for, I believe, six bucks a pop was the figure.
0: 1.2 million units, six bucks a pop. Um, Correct my math, but isn't that like three one-up mushrooms?
1: Yokoi ended up promoted, he was reassigned as an engineer games division which would go on to make other successful toys this is not no video no this games. is like this is just and like and toys like the ultra machine the ultra scope and the love tester the love tester was a device where you would hold it in between you and like a crush's hand and then you would uh join your free hands together so it was and it was and the love tester was like apparently massive because i've got, got a massive love tester
0: for you did you get Yo, that joke? All Did the you kids get that gotta joke? get wet. Did you get the joke I made? It was it's like my penis. Tell us more about your penis, Liam. Uh it's kind of curves to the right a little bit because the left side's a little longer, and I've been told by a girl it's long but skinny. Just like you. Exactly. I am yep. I am what I eat, and I eat my dick. He would
1: eventually go on to co create light gun games, like the technology for it. And he wasn't just an inventor, he was also a mentor. Ooh. little rhyme i made for i prepped that little rhyme i made for can you i give guys. you some notes yes
0: it was bad it was real bad. <laughs> can i give you some notes kill yourself <laughs> that's not a note but i'll take it into consideration so the light
1: gun co-creator would also eventually uh that he worked with would also eventually be instrumental in the creation of the nes and the snes And he would eventually mentor another mystery figure, which I will reveal at a later point.
0: Who's that history figure?
1: He joined the Electronic Games Division in 1974, becoming the second ever Nintendo video game designer. He would then go on to create the Game & Watch series of handhelds. I know Mr. Game & Watch! Yeah, you played Smash Brothers, right? Yeah. Game & Watch is like the OG handheld it's like the precursor to everything, where it's
0: it's basically like it's one of the few representations of black people in video games. <laughs> yeah, where where there would be like four because he's because he's black, like
1: literally black, literally black. Yes, where there would be four, uh, like possible, th- there would be four things that would light up it's extremely rudimentary but it paved but it was incredibly popular so the old gaming folk legend is that he saw a businessman playing with the buttons on a small a calculator on a commuter train and he saw that and was like what if i just like made that a video game also you know that that commuter was just typing boobs over and over again. yeah dude five five eight
0: zero zero eight hold that shit upside down what does it look like boobs boobs
1: and this would- uh, the Game & Watch would end up being the precursor to the Nintendo Game Boy. The Game Boy was his design as well. He came up with- this mother- this dude? This dude? Hey, this dude? This dude was like up on his shit. He's- he's like known for being an inventor. He came up with cartridges.
0: Oh, what? 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 Yeah, yes yeah, son. What? Where, Shut
1: the where fuck it's... up. A cartridge is like- the memory is on that. Yeah. So, so if you if you get like a used copy of like Scooby Doo for the Game Boy Color, like somebody's old save R- game, R- might Raggy, be on that. We're in a Game Boy Ranch. Well, well, Reggie, R- R- I'm a racial stereotype. What? Oh yeah, Scooby Doo is like is like definitely supposed to be a racial stereotype. No,
0: he is. He's a dog, you idiot. He's supposed oh. to be a dog that can talk and solves mysteries with his best friend Shaggy the pothead yeah guys yeah um, shaggy of course shaggy's a pothead it was a cartoon in the 60s the creators were potheads yeah daphne was also blowing fred all the time and velma didn't shave her pussy like i'm not gonna shame these people for who they were how dense and thick and prickly was velma's bush though can we be real for a second you know, can we be real for i a had second? i had the biggest crush on velma when i was a yeah, kid Yeah, you want to get lost in that red bush why is it red you don't know We are going to find out. Uh, Fun fact. In the Scooby-Doo porn, Velma has a bush. And Shaggy comes all over it. Scooby is not in the porno.
1: Continue. The difference... Not in the fan art I've seen. The (laughs) difference between cartridges and discs is that cartridges have the data on them or the memory and the data on them so your save file is on the cartridge whereas like like the save file for your game is like on your playstation 3 the disc just has the data that lets you play of course so he came up with cartridges he also came up with the monochrome screen on the game boy well essentially he prioritized just having the two like like because because if you look at most Game Boy screens—it's like three colors. It's it's like black, clear, mm-hmm. and then
0: like kind of hazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because because that it, in doing so you pri- you prioritize cheap retail price and battery life over color.
0: Oh, make the game better than it
1: looks. Exactly. It's way cheaper to make and so it's way way cheaper to sell, so more people will buy uh, it. And we really also should the battery all this life.
0: Podcast under financial help just cuz I've learned so much business stuff.
1: Yeah, and this ended up giving Nintendo the competing edge over other handhelds and w- which was why the Game Boy was this runaway success. Like this dude, this dude did so much for Nintendo as a company. He also came up with the NES button layout
0: he had cartridges and NES button layout on his fucking deck of cards.
1: Yeah. Oh, it gets even better. In 1981, Yamauchi has uh, Gunpei Yokoi supervised the creation of a little game. You might know it. Called Donkey Kong. An arcade game held helmed by Shigeru Miyamoto.
0: Miyamoto! I know Shigeru yep. Miyamoto. He's still fucking doing
1: shit. Yokoi teaches Miyamoto Everything he knows about game design, senpai, would, would continue to work with Miyamoto on Mario Bros. Not like the OG Mario game, but no, like, the the pipe game, the the
0: pipe, yeah, the card pipe game, the pipe multiplayer. Game. A lot yeah. of people don't know that the uh, it went Jumpman, Mario Brothers, then Super Mario. Like that was the incarnation yes. of the character,
1: and also the multiplayer aspect was also. It will not surprise you to learn Yokoi's idea as was the lack of fall damage. This dude might be responsible for, like, the the brilliant and necessary game design decision that, hey, maybe in a platformer, you shouldn't have fall damage. How,
0: like... Fun fact about the Mario game, it was actually supposed to be a Popeye game. No fucking way. Jumpman was Popeye, Pauline was Olive Oil, and Donkey Kong was Bluto. They couldn't get rights, so they changed it. Oh, shit. Can you imagine what history for video games would look like if it was a Popeye game?
1: So then after after working with Miyamoto on shit like this, he would then go on to be the producer of several other classic Nintendo titles such as Kid
0: Icarus and Metroid. I know the whole Kid Icarus thing, man.
1: Metroid is often
0: considered his
1: greatest accomplishment and also his baby, and I would completely agree with that. I I, I think that Metroid, specifically the later titles, are like... Oh my god, how good was Metroid Prime 3? Corruption. He also created uh, the character ROB, as well as Super Mario Land and Super Mario Land 2, six golden coins.
0: <gasps> the introduction of Wario!
1: And then... He makes the Virtual Boy. Do you know what the Virtual Boy is? Yeah, I know what the
0: fucking Virtual Boy is.
1: The Virtual Boy is one of gaming's greatest hardware disasters. Oof. So so, basically way, way, way back in the day, there's this piece of L- red LED eyepiece tech called Scanner Linear Array, and it catches Yokoi's attention because he's he's into alternative... Uh, he's he's into alternative technology and
0: for good reason. It's and alternative well. music, he loves loves, he loves Neutral Rock. Milk Hotel. Daughtry is his and favorite band He's weirdly eclectic. Like you're like, oh, I, uh, oh, uh, uh, that doesn't make any sense. His two favorite bands, Pavement and Creed. What? <laughs> Who are you? Let's go get pizza and talk Three about your favorite routines. bands.
1: Pavement, Creed. Credence Clearwater Revival Band or whatever the fuck. I'm gonna edit that one out.
0: (laughs) Yup. So. (laughs) (laughs) First first of all, they're called Clearance Clearwater Revival. You had it. You had it and you (laughs) did two more words. You jumped out. You did the long jump and you landed and then you were like, wait, let me take two more steps. And the judges were like, no, you can't do that. I forgot what they were called, <laughs> the clearance Clearwall revival groupers. The the the,
1: the clearance 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 Clearwater
0: automotive clearance sale. Get a Toyota down in Clearwater, Florida, for less money than a gator's
1: boot. So Gunpei Yokoi proposes the construction of an entire console around this technology, which which, by the way, at this stage is not bad or a dumb idea. Like I'm on his side. What happens is he has to end up competing internally for resources with the Nintendo 64, which at that point was a losing battle. Yokoi became incredibly skeptical of the product and supposedly never intended to release what would become the full retail product. Of Virtual Boy. Yes. Oof. It releases on on November 13th, 1994.
0: I was just projected
1: allowed. sales were 1.5 million. 2.5 million by the end of the year by december 1995 a li- like one month after after one month after a year of this this console hitting retail how many units do you think they sell Three hundred and fifty thousand units
0: oh boy
1: yeah that's a that's a gut punch and and this was also despite extensive advertisement there were all sorts of complaints on launch i'm sure you're familiar with them you you, uh, it was uh, for for listeners unfamiliar unfamiliar it was essentially a vr headset where you put it on but it only had two colors black and red and it was meant to convey 3d depth and if you used it for more than 15 to 20 minutes, you would develop like excruciating headaches. Like it, th- using this thing was literally painful. The games on launch were not good, like not good at all. It was it was rushed, start to finish should not have ever been released in the state that it was. It was it was a fucking disaster. The po- the console, the console is pulled from the market come 1996. He would resign August 15th, later that year. Nintendo's official reason for the resignation was that it was always his idea to retire from the company at age 50, which would have been five years prior at that point. So that way he could do as he pleased and, and wasn't didn't belong to Nintendo anymore. In their their official PR statement, Nintendo explicitly stated that the fault lay with the decision to sell the Virtual Boy in the first place and not Yakoi. Still, it was no secret that his reputation had taken a blow internally and externally. A lot of it was sort of kind of like vaguely racist conjecture because it was like... Whoa, this is a this is an eastern company and they care about honor over there and like this was fucked up and like honor, honor, honor and, uh, yeah. and he leaves and he forms his own company called Koto, working with Bandai, which eventually I believe would become Namco Bandai to create the Wonder Swan, which was a new handheld. On October fourth, nineteen ninety seven, two hundred and fifteen miles away from East Tokyo. He's involved in a car accident with Etsuo Kiso of Nintendo. The two are fine. Oh, thank God. When they get out to inspect the damage, he is struck and killed by a passing car. He was 56 at the time.
0: So he survived that and then literally took one step and just... It was a, by
1: all accounts, totally mild fender bender. But apparently the freeways around that, around those parts are real narrow. And somebody just wasn't being careful. And just fucking hit the guy going. However fast you go on a freeway. There have been several conspiracies upon his death. As there tend to be. I mean, we had that whole Maryland episode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One was that he faked his death and went back to work at Nintendo. Because he hated his new job. Doesn't make any fucking sense. Another one is that it was a Yaku- yakuza hit.
0: Jesus, you think so- they think someone put the yakuza on him?
1: Well, Nintendo does have yakuza connections. What? That's for another episode. All these, all these conspiracies are founded on the idea that okay, the Wonder Swan was a rival handheld, and Yokoi was this like brilliant inventor, and they thought that. Yeah, everybody's like, he had too many Nintendo secrets, they had to have him killed, and so they did, and and that's a bunch of bullshit. This was just a really, really smart man who changed the face of the video game industry forever. forever. Jesus. And He's died Jesus. tragically. We always end on a bummer on we this do. show. Uh-huh. At least, hey, nice. first episode without any... Yeah. statutory rape or like, like weird sex shit yeah
0: so good on us i guess
1: and that's that's my story Gunpei koi this incredible influential man who on the up and up a really nice guy ran a tight ship and died for no reason so that's the story of Gunpei koi
0: that is just <laughs> ugh it's so great and then just oh, like to cry a little bit <laughs> so that's been media majors sorry yeah. our podcast is such a bummer sorry we we always pick stuff that ends in tragedy history is bu- filled with bummers yeah do you have anything to plug tom Oh, uh, other than your great pussy eating skills apparently <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I've, I've been told by cats <laughs> like, stop, stop an eating asshole. me you eat talking cats
1: I produce analytical videos, Chaboy Explains, the one that's out is Inside. I'm working on another one. I'm gonna go through the Dead Rising series sequentially, and then you and I are gonna work on a video about the noir elements in Mirror's Edge, and that's gonna be a lot of fun.
0: Very true. And uh, I wanna do some weird let's plays, so hopefully that'll happen. So, nerds, get ready.
1: Also, I write all the time. About everything, my most recent piece, look up uh, Until Dawn, The Blob, 1998, and Protagonist Potential. It's one of my favorite things I've written in a long time. I'd highly recommend it. Liam, do you have anything to plug? Uh,
0: My favorite thing you wrote was uh, August and Light, um, which I think is a botched Faulkner title. I couldn't think of a real book. Uh, Yeah, Boys (laughs) Night Video. We kind of stopped making videos because we're all in school, but... We'll do some stuff soon. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on things. You know, do stuff. And then for people in the New York area, uh, on November fourth, a play. The my least favorite person in the world right now, and I, Jane Crew. <laughs> we wrote a play called Junk. Uh, it's at nine o'clock. It's at a church in Williamsburg. It's part of the Bad Theater Fest. Check out Bad Theater Fest. You'll find us there. And you know, support your veterans by telling them to you know get a job
1: spit on them
0: all right we need to end the podcast (laughs) so (laughs) support your boys
1: also everybody follow media majors cast on twitter that's our twitter account also i always put up a companion piece to these and you can find that just google the the episode or just google the topic and my name and it'll pop up well thank you everybody for listening
0: and remember as always you say it
1: we'll be there for
0: for you I wanted to disassemble.